Hello, everybody, and Merry Christmas to you. This is Stephen Hutto with Harvest Celebration Ministries, and I want to thank you for uh, logging on, stopping by, tuning in, whatever, uh, to my podcast. I want to speak a little bit more to you today about the virgin birth. And this is that time of the year, at least when I'm, I'm actually making this recording. This is not a Christmas teaching alone, but it is something that we want to highlight at Christmas when we talk about uh, the virgin birth and its significance. You know, this year, for some reason, the virgin birth, the story of the coming of Jesus, has meant more to me than it ever has. And I've been walking with the Lord close to 40 years, and it's just amazing how the Holy Spirit would just begin to show me things and just put things in my heart about how special was His coming, but also adding to that being so special is the fact, uh, are the facts of how He came. And the virgin birth is something that is, is just incredible. And this year, as we, as we move into the Christmas season, as we're in the Christmas season, and we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, let's celebrate more than the fact that He came. I mean, that is enough, believe me to celebrate for, for, for here on out or from here on out the fact that He came. But when we begin to look at how He came, we begin to see how much He loves us and how concerned He was for the humanity and the creation that He created. You know, the Scripture says He came to His own. Jesus came to His own. What that means is He came to His own creation The Bible tells us in Hebrews that Jesus created the worlds and upholds the worlds and and the universe by the word of His power. He was the creator that actually spoke into existence uh, everything as we know it today, materially speaking. He came to His own creation. So the one who created us is the one who came to us to save us from our sins. The one who created us is the one who was God with us, Emmanuel. That's what we kind of focus on this time of the year, even though it's it's not really a Christmas teaching, but it's something we focus on this time of year. But let's focus on this all the time of the year, just like we should focus on his resurrection all times at all times throughout the year. But the virgin birth, the significance of the virgin birth, the fact that Jesus was born of a woman, but yet he was also born of God. He was born of a woman out of Mary's womb, but he was also born of God. And as we look at this, we can also think about the significance of the blood that he shed for us on the cross. And through the process of of the cross, the, the Roman process of crucifixion that Jesus submitted to, we can look at that and we can see the significance of the blood that Jesus shed. It wasn't shed from a man born of the world and that even later got born again, but it was shed by a man because he was born of a woman, but who also, as we'll see, was born of God. So his blood, like himself, was without spot or blemish. And so let's go to the book of Matthew and look at this. This is actually, I'm going to read this passage first from Matthew, then we're going to go to Luke. And this one, this passage actually happened second 
But I, I, I want to look at it first because it explains the significance a lot more. It says in verse, uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When Mary his mother had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, before they were married and had any type of sexual relation, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. So obviously, there was some point, something happened, something basically revealed to Joseph that she was pregnant and they had yet been together. She was found to be with child. But what I like about Matthew's account is that he says, by the Holy Spirit. She was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. See, under the law, even though they didn't really practice, fully practice the law back then, the man and the woman, of course there was no man involved here, should have been stoned to death. And usually the one, the husband, or even the one that was engaged, the man that was engaged, had every right to, to divorce her. And so what Joseph wanted to do, he loved Mary, but he wanted to, to send her away or perhaps divorce her secretly in a way that it wouldn't disgrace her for the rest of her life, which was probably would have been impossible. But so he desired uh, to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, Joseph, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. He's talking about a pregnant woman now. They hadn't even been married yet. But this kind of explains it. And here it comes again. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine facing a big, warring angel with a powerful word of God in his mouth and he says to you, yes, your wife is pregnant, but listen to me, Joseph, she is pregnant. The, the child that's been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And this is, what are gonna, this is what is going to happen, Joseph, because this child conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, Jehovah who saves, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. Joseph had a very important part of this virgin birth. He was to be the father, the earthly dad of Jesus and raise him. And he had to go ahead and take Mary as his wife. But look at the next verse, verse 25. But he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now that's significant. They never had any type of sexual relations. They were engaged, and even after they got married, Joseph, listening to this angel, believing that what his word said was the truth, did not have any type of relations with her until after Jesus was born. We know Jesus had brothers and sisters. But so, by the time, even though they were married, this child was born from a virgin who had never had sex with a man. 
Wow. Now, let's go over to the book of Luke. This is so intriguing to me. We're going to see Luke's account of it, and this is really what took place before Joseph discovered that she was pregnant. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, this is the sixth month of uh, Mary didn't know this yet, but her cousin Elizabeth, who was way past the ability to bear children, she was elderly, but she was now pregnant with John the Baptist in her sixth month. And so now in the sixth month, the angel came, uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Did I mention she was a virgin? Well, I didn't. The scripture did, and I just read it. But she was a virgin. And coming in, this angel said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, (laughs) I know it would be overwhelming for an angel to show up. And you're standing there looking him face to face, you know, with your head cocked upward because they're pretty big. And he looks at you in love and says, Mary, don't be afraid, for you have found favor with God. Now I don't know about you, it would be a little bit overwhelming, but I would begin to be getting excited now because I was seeing something totally out of the ordinary, totally supernatural, and I believe this is what was happening to Mary at this time. So he said, don't be afraid, you found favor with God. Verse 31, this is Luke chapter 1, and behold, here we go, you will conceive in your womb, remember what he said to Joseph, And you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. The same name that the angel told Joseph to call this baby in Mary conceived of by the Holy Spirit. You shall bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. Verse 32, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Now this is very significant. He will be called the Son of the Most High. You could say, He will be called the Son of God. The Son of God. Now, the word Son there is the Greek word huios, and what that really means is Son by position. In other words, even though He was born of God, that type of a Son is, is one who is literally coming out of the womb, technon. That's the Greek word technon. And that's significant too. But what I want you to understand that after he was born, technon of God, he was a child of God, he was also the son of God by position. Okay, now, what I want you to see here is that he says he will be called the son of the Most High or the son of God. He's called the son of God after he was born into the earth because he was born of God, meaning... He was God's son. I have three sons, Russ, Billy, and Jonathan. They are called the sons of Steve. Now, that's not, how, that's not their name. You know, they're not Bar Steve. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> they, uh, they are the sons of Steve and Connie, because it takes two of us, right? But they are called the son of Steve. They're called my sons because they were born of me and Connie. And he is called Jesus the Son of God because when he came out of Mary, which was a miracle anyway, 
he was not only Mary's son, but because he was conceived of by the Holy Spirit, he was the son of God. So when Jesus was a child, if Mary took him, I'm sure when she took him into her arms and she hugged him and kissed on him and you know did those motherly things, she was literally hugging the son born of God. He was the only one like it. <laughs> the scripture says he's the only begotten son. That means the, the, the only one, the unique, only one of its kind, the only begotten son of God. Now we, we, we tend to just kind of let that skim over us, or we skim over it. We let it kind of fly over us that, yes, he was the son of God. I mean, he was God's son in heaven. But really, we need to refer to him as God's son because he was literally born, begotten into this world by God. He was the son of God. Okay, so he says, He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? That's verse 34. Now listen, Mary was not questioning the validity or the validity of this this word from God. She wasn't questioning the legitimacy of it. It was a morality issue. And she wasn't accusing Gabriel of being immoral, but it's like this. She says, how can this be, Gabriel, since I am a virgin? Gabriel, you know what a virgin is, and virgins don't have babies. Gabriel says, that's a, that's a very good question, and here's how it's going to happen, Mary. There's, you know, you're not going to have relations with a man, or you're not going to have relations with an angel, or anything like that. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason... For what reason? Because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and any time the Holy Spirit comes upon you or me or anyone or anything, you know what? The power of God Most High will overshadow you or them or that situation. And he says, for that reason, because the Holy Spirit, or really because God the Father, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, will touch Mary, for that reason, the child that is going to be born in nine months will be called the Son of God. Isn't that incredible? The Son of God. Again, so if you would have happened to have known Jesus... Um, during his ministry and, and he gave you a big bear hug or he touched you or whatever, or you reached out and touched him, you, you, you felt a man. You felt someone that, that had to eat and sleep and drink and rest and that had to use their legs to go from point A to point B, yet you also touched the Son of God because he was born of God. Can you see the significance of the virgin birth? In other words, in on, the only way that God could become a man, and He had to become a man because it was man that needed to be saved. God couldn't wave His hand or snap His finger, and all of a sudden we be saved. He had to come in because man had sold out to the enemy way back in the Garden of Eden, and man had fallen since that time. When Adam and Eve submitted to the enemy, you know, out of deception, 
Yet they surrendered to the enemy. They submitted. They had disobeyed God. As a result, sin entered in. And from that point, every person that was born into the world, from that point forward, was born with the nature of Adam. That nature is fallen. It's tainted with sin. When you're born into the world, just like you and me, we were born, or just you and I, let's get this correct. When we were born into the world, we were born with a fallen nature. We were born with the nature of flesh. We could say we were born not of God, but of man only, and we were born of the world. Before I came to know Jesus and was born again, it was I, did, I didn't have to strive to go with the world. You just naturally flow with the world because that's your very nature. And sometimes as a believer, we struggle with why people say certain things that don't know Jesus yet or do certain things, and, and, and we get frustrated over that. But I can remember it was easy to go along with the world. It, was, it wasn't an easy life because you tried to be accepted by people in the world and you got a lot of rejection because of that because the world hates you whether you're saved or not. And it hates you even more now that you are saved. Jesus said that. If it hated me, which it did, the world hates us as well. So when we're born into the world, we're born fallen. Jesus was born into the world, so he had to be born through a human being, woman, out of the womb, just like you and me. But he couldn't couldn't take the seed of a man. It couldn't be an earthly man and woman together because the child procreated would have been just another fallen person or person fallen with the nature of Adam. So God touched Mary with the power of the Holy Spirit. In the same way, He could touch you and me and heal us. Or He could touch our situation and and make it good or make it pure or whatever. You know, I've seen God touch people many times, and heal. I've seen bones healed. I've seen people immediately get up from a sickbed because they're healed. I mean, I really have. A lot of that happens overseas where there's a stronger faith because people don't have as much to lean on and they don't have as many options, so they trust God. And so, But that's what happened. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary. He touched her. And this is how it happened. Mary said this. Let's get back to the text here. It said, and uh, Mary said, how can this be? Of course, he explained that the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child should be called the Son of God. And he says, and behold, your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. And he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Hallelujah for that. And this is, this is key right here. Mary says this. Remember, in order for a a, a woman to become pregnant, there has to be seed implanted. Mary said in verse 38, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. So Mary says, Gabriel, you're proclaiming the word of God. What you said, let it happen to me. I receive it. And the the imperishable, incorruptible seed of the Word of God that that Peter says you and I are born again of now went into Mary and she became impregnated with the Word of God 
and the Holy Spirit came and began to germinate that seed. That baby began to gestate. And you know what? Nine months later, Jesus was born. My Savior. He was born of God and He was born of a woman. He is the only person up to that point that was born of God, even though He was a man, no other human since Adam and Eve were ever created or born of God. No other person since then. Jesus was the first since. That's why the Word calls Him the firstborn of all creation. The firstborn of many brethren. Different, different places in the Bible call Him the firstborn. He's the firstborn human that was born of God. And He came and He was born of God and became our sacrifice and took our sins upon Himself... That's the gospel. Rose three days later from the dead, ascended back to the Father, and made it possible now for you and me, and I trust that you are, to be born again. To be born again. So we were born with a fallen nature, but because Jesus was born a human of God and sacrificed Himself for us through Him, the way, the truth, and the life, we now, by surrendering our lives to Him, the Spirit comes into us and our spirit comes to life and we've been born of a human just like Jesus was, but our nature was fallen, but now we are born of God like Jesus was born of God and became our sacrifice. So we can say that one of the most crucial significances of the virgin birth is it reveals to us that because Jesus was born of God, we can be, and many of us already are, born of God. Isn't that incredible? You know, we still have to deal with our fallen nature as long as we're in this fleshly body, but the Bible teaches us that from the point we're supposed to, from the point we get saved, we begin renewing our mind with the Word of God so that we begin thinking like God thinks. Our spirit is saved. Our spirit is safe in the arms of Jesus. Our, our nature now, we have to kind of begin to work on that, the way we think, and when we change the way we think to more like the way God thinks, then our body, which of course one day will be totally renewed, replaced with a new body, but the one we have now here in this life, while we live on this earth, it even conforms to the Word of God that we renew our mind to. doesn't mean we don't struggle. You know, Jesus broke the power of sin over us when He went to the cross, but He didn't eradicate sin from the earth. Sin is still present, and you and I know that, and we still have to resist it, don't we? But thank God, because He was born of God, we're now born of God, and then we have that same power that He came up out of the grave with, the same power that He broke over sin, and we have it available to us through Jesus as we serve Him. Wow. Nobody ever said it was going to be easy because now we're not from here. Jesus said of His disciples when He was praying in, in uh, John chapter 17, you know, uh, they're not from here, but they have to stay here, so keep them safe in the world. And Jesus said a, f a few times that, you know, I'm, I'm not of this world. I'm not from here. And he literally wasn't because he wasn't born of the world. He was born of God. And he eventually went back to God and he's preparing a place for us. And I'm thinking about uh, the time when Nicodemus in John chapter 3, well, I won't necessarily take the time to, to read the scripture, but he, you know, that's where Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee who really believed in Jesus, but he, he came to him secretly at night 
for fear that he might be put out of the synagogue. And uh, he said, what, you know, what can, must I do to be born again? And, and Well, actually, Jesus said this. Excuse me. Jesus said, you must be born again in order to even see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said, well, how can I be born again? How can a man or a person be born again? Does he go back into his womb a second time and come out again? Of course, he missed it. And that's what Jesus told him. Nicodemus, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't get this? Jesus, You know what Jesus was saying to him? Look, I am born of God, and I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can be born of God too. But that term born again literally means to be born from above. To be born of God. You know, Jesus was born from above. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary. The power of the Most High overshadowed her. Uh, the angel told Joseph a couple of times that the child conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She was expecting a child by the Holy Spirit. And so he was born of God. And we now, again, that's what Jesus was explaining to Nicodemus, we have to be born again. We have to be born, some other, other ways it's said, from above. We have to be born of God in order to enter the kingdom of God. And now, since Jesus, man, I could celebrate every day because I am born of God. You know, the scripture says, whatever is born of God has overcome the world. And this is the victory that's overcome the world, our faith. And you know, I like the fact that the translation uses the word whatever instead of just whoever. Whoever limits it, limits it only to humans. But if you get born again of God and He calls you into a ministry that's born of Him through, through your relationship with God, then that's a whatever. So whatever is born of God, whether it's your church, your missions organization, your business, your vocation, your profession, if it's born of God, in other words, God has called you to do it, then it's overcome the world. Because you're born of God and you have overcome the world. And I'm going to tell you, my friends, I love to walk the, the floors in my house. And I'll say this. Father, I thank you that because I am born of God, I have overcome the world. You know what? He overcame the world. That's why I overcome the world. And this is the victory, Father God, that's overcome the world, my faith in you. And I always go to this scripture. Father, I thank you that I walk by faith in everything I do in this life. Faith and not by the way things appear, not by sight. Isn't that incredible? Listen, my friends, I don't have much more time. But I love to just turn on uh, my recorder and just teach. I'm, I'm just bubbling over this time of year. Join with me in celebrating the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can celebrate it. But I hope that this little bit of information can cause you to celebrate to a higher degree, more intensely now, because we have taken a look at not only the fact that He came, hallelujah for that, but how He came and what God was thinking and what God's plans were and how it affects you and me today and all mankind throughout all eternity. We can become born of God, born of the kingdom of God, because Jesus came from heaven he left His glory. He laid aside His kingly privileges. He emptied Himself and He became a bondservant of God, which is what we are now through Jesus and we are to Jesus. And He humbled Himself into humanity 
How did he do that? He was born of a virgin, conceived of, first of all, by the Holy Spirit. And Mary was touched. The power of the Holy Spirit came upon her, and the power of God came upon her whenever the Holy Spirit comes. And in closing, that's why we need the precious presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Because wherever the presence of the Holy Spirit is, and, and wherever you are and He's with you, the power of the Most High God, the one that Jesus is the Son of, is upon us. Isn't that incredible? I pray that you have an extremely merry and a blessed Christmas and a happy and a prosperous, prosperous New Year. God bless you.